Hi, friends. I'm Katie. And I'm Olivia. And we are Podcast by Proxy, Canadian True Crime. Welcome. We're live. On a rainy Monday. On a very rainy Monday. I mean, at least it's not snowing. It's not snowing. (laughs) If anyone knows me, they know how I feel about the rain. I love it. It just makes me happy. It's my sunshine. <laughs> and it's like, I love feeling not guilty for not leaving my house all day long yes. when it's raining. Like, sometimes when it's really nice yeah. out, I love being at home, but I feel guilty that I'm not outside enjoying the weather. And when it's raining, I'm like, ah, oh, I can just stare at the rain in peace and be productive inside. Nobody can bother me and I don't have to feel bad about it. Yeah. It's great. I have my future mother-in-law visiting at the end of this week, so the rain is totally allowing me the time to just be, like, inside, cleaning, doing everything I need, so... That's exciting. I'm loving it. But I'm very nervous. (laughs) Oh, you'll have fun. It'll be good. Oh, I will, but you know how it's, like, the first time you're having someone, like, into your home? She's our first house guest. Like, she's staying with us. That's fair. Also, you know Frankie. (laughs) (laughs) so i have my reservations i will say i feel like frankie put my cat in his place somehow or like somebody in your house did because he came home from your house and he is so chill maybe wednesday because i think like again there was a day i woke up and there was some tufts of hair like somebody had pushed someone's buttons and you know what Mr. Marshall over there was notorious for, like, sneaking up behind her and just, like, touching her. Mm-hmm. He does that. No consent, sir. No, none. He's... And he, and then, so, of course, she just jumps right out of her skin and turns around and is like, ah! I don't know if it's just a combination of he's getting, like, he's almost a year old based Maturing. on his paperwork. So maybe he's just becoming more of a cat rather than a kitten. But he was a tiny little psycho before he went to your house. Like, he would zoom around our house. He was a little psycho here. He has just come home much more chill, and I'm not mad about it. Maybe he's just appreciating what he has now, so he's just respecting you a little more. It's possible. Maybe he was like, don't send me back. <laughs> Please don't that send me back, That dog is too Mom. big. That yeah. dog is too big, and that other cat did not want to play with me as much as I wanted to play with her. Yeah, I mean, we, like, we put up our Christmas tree. Now, granted, he's never really gone after my plants, but we put up our Christmas tree this weekend, and I was like, oh, God, here we go. I'm nervous. He hasn't even looked at it. No, Wednesday hasn't touched ours either, and we put it up, yeah, last weekend. I am so pleased with him. He's such a good boy. Like, he was alone all day yesterday from we left in the morning and we were not home until after dinner. And he he was so good. He didn't touch my tree. I was expecting to come home to my tree flat on its face, and nope, he was just napping on the couch. Or at least every ornament stripped off of it. He didn't care at all, so go Marshall. Huh. What a good boy. He's so good. You know the drill. Uh, like, share, tell your friends, case suggestions for anything, come to podcastbyproxy at gmail.com, Instagram, Probably much the only platform you should bother following. It's true. Although I posted something on threads the other day and Scott liked it and I was like, oh, Scott. (laughs) Oh, Scotty. 
Yeah, and uh, follow us wherever you're listening. Five-star rating and review on Spotify or Apple. I actually noticed some of you have been using the like Q&A boxes on Spotify as well because I logged into Ooh. Spotify for our podcasters the other day just to get like our wrapped information, which I was so pleased with. Thank you for everyone who Thank has supported you. us this year. Um, it's been a bit of a rough year for both of us in terms of our like regular lives have been really busy. And so <laughs> finding that balance between keeping the show going and also keeping up with our regular lives has been a challenge. Um, but we've still had so much growth and that was so nice to see. But I noticed that there had been some really nice comments on our Q&A boxes on Spotify, which I kind of didn't even know was a thing. Bad podcaster. Bad podcaster. Um <laughs> but yeah, there's some really nice stuff in there. So thank you so much for um, interacting with us on the different platforms. We appreciate it. Yeah, one day we should sit down and take a look through those and see if there's something that we can do, maybe a Q&A or something we can sit down and record for you guys as well. Yeah. Because um, yeah, that would be a lot of fun. And uh, if you are new to the show, every January we do a kind of like a case updates uh, episode on any case updates that have happened on cases we've covered this year, cases we've covered in previous years, if there's been any significant updates. So keep an eye out for that in about a month. Um, that will come probably the first or second week of January. We really enjoy doing those episodes. So yeah. 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 I love doing a new dig on them or just like a little refresh and it's so exciting when there is some new development or yeah, I mean, something to go we on. We cover a lot of cases, and sometimes it's hard to keep up on all of the updates that happen all year long. So it's really fun to just sit down and like go over everything we covered, see if there's been anything new that's come out that maybe hasn't like made the big news headlines. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to, to that one. I'm also very excited to... Um, do my like kind of end of the year backup to the drive of all our files because I do it periodically throughout the year but at the end of the year I really get to see like how full my computer is <laughs> and like really clean it out and oh that feels good I love that for you thanks but other than that I think we're ready to get into it um record time <clears throat> yeah six minutes and 19 seconds <laughs> Uh, but today I am covering a case suggestion by a lovely listener named Michaela. I hope it's okay to say your name. You didn't specify not to, so thank you. We love a case <laughs> suggestion. I actually saw a couple new we ones do. in the inbox this morning. Thank you so Woo! much. From a couple new listeners as well, which we yeah. love. If you're new, if you're an OG, we love case suggestions. Um, so keep them coming because it really helps us keep the ball rolling. <laughs> yeah, and for those of you who say you've been binging, like... Thank you. Good on you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. That's commitment. As a binger myself, I get it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Michaela had suggested a case of Ryder and Raddick McDougal. Okay. Um, you may or may not have heard of it, um, or you may or may not have as we go on, because I know you have some friends in Alberta, um, or have been out there over the last, like, couple years yeah 10 years we'll say may recognize a sticker we're gonna speak of that was on a lot of cars throughout the alberta area okay um i do love alberta. and most of hmm? i do love alberta 
Yeah, every time I've driven through it or visited the future in-laws or anything like that, I've quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Nothing bad to say. Yeah, fun fact about me, I just feel alive when I land in Alberta. Like, there's something about the... (laughs) The air is different. The gigantic skies, like, we don't really have that here because we have all the mountains and the trees, which is beautiful, and I don't take that for granted. We live in one of the most beautiful places in the world, but there's something about those, like big gigantic skies that I just can't get enough of the horizon is forever away it just makes me happy it just never ends it's just so weird like I think we all have a place that just makes us happy and we can't really describe it and for whatever reason Alberta is one of those places for me (laughs) I just love it I could totally get what you're saying it was a crazy experience especially driving through it a few times and through like Saskatchewan it's just you feel like the horizon never comes there's not like it doesn't feel like there's a milestone that you eventually get to almost no it's like a rainbow it, just it feels never like ends the sky goes forever yeah it's beautiful it's so cool yeah so most of the information that we're going to talk about is from Tracy Stark's book Gross misconduct. Okay. Um, this was named because it was a hockey term for one of the most extensive penalties you could receive in her son's favorite sport. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> so Ryder is 13. He's a defenseman. He's a very good hockey player. Both boys are. He's quiet, loyal to his friends, family, and his team. And in the last year of playing hockey, because he's advanced to some high-level teams, he has really built up his confidence, and he is starting to speak up more. He likes video games, as we said, hockey, and all of his, like, fr- like his his friend's dads were like, he, he was just a 13-year-old boy. Like, yeah. he was that stereotypical, just like, he liked to shoot the puck in his backyard, mm-hmm. play video games. He was just a good kid. I he was grew, wholesome. I grew up with one of those. Yeah, we all did. There was that one kid that was just like... Mine was oh, my brother. just a good guy. <laughs> what? Mine was my brother, but yeah. I had oh, one of those yeah. in my house. Yeah, I had one in my house too, actually. He's very wholesome. He played hockey and baseball and he liked video games and he, you know, shot the puck out on the road and yeah. Yeah, like if he wasn't at the rink or the field playing something, he was probably just practicing and being a good kid. Or like playing hockey video games, like very, yeah, yeah, very wholesome. Yeah. So both boys attended Greystone Centennial Middle School, and that included Raddick, the younger brother, who at the time is 11. He is sweet sensitive and if he ever got in trouble with his mom or made her upset she would come to find a small note slid under her bedroom door with a written apology that was like extremely sentimental like he was just her little emotional artist kid but to please his dad and because he did love the sport and his big brother he was a hockey boy that's cute yeah and like we come to find that Corey is like if you're not a manly man, then you're not a man at all kind of thing. Okay. So I think that Raddick kind of hid his artsy side because even when he talks to his mom, like, he's like, I think I'd be good at dancing. Okay. <laughs> but he won't pursue it as much or actively or talk about it because that would upset Corey, their dad. I see. Okay. 
So Tracy and Corey are married for two and a half years. During this time, Corey is severely abusive to Tracy, psychologically and, like, just mentally mostly. Mm -hmm. She knows that if she was to stick up for herself or do anything, that the abuse might be focused towards the boys. So she really kind of just took it on the chin. Right. She kind of takes the brunt of it to protect them. Yeah. Sad. In 2005, she files for divorce, and for all intents and purposes, when they are two single individuals, they're co-parenting pretty amicably, and there's really no issue or cause for concern for about a year's time. Okay. After about a year, in 2008, Tracy meets her now-husband, Brent, and things just change between her and Corey. Their total dynamic is off. There's extreme air of jealousy. I was going to say jealousy and now he's not. Well, now he has. There's no level of control there anymore. He's lost control of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I can only imagine being from parents who are divorced. I can speak to this. If my mom and dad were getting along well, I could totally have seen my mom being like, Hey, do you mind giving me a hand with this? If it was something that, you know, normally he would have helped with around the house, but now that they're not living together, he's not there. And I think that's very common in couples that are getting along. So maybe it really eliminated Corey from the picture. I don't know how different their dynamic was after that, but I think Tracy tried really hard to just keep everything balanced and even and I don't think she forced Brent on Corey or vice versa mm-hmm. I think this is very much a Corey issue and like a yeah there's a power dynamic here that he's losing control and power yeah. over her well and this is where we start to see the psychological abuse be turned on the kids right because he'll say things to the kids especially the youngest who we know is very emotional mm-hmm. he'll be like well just forget about me it doesn't matter Brent can be your dad now it's manipulative He's being super manipulative. He's making the kids feel bad for not spending time with him, for not being there with him. Um, essentially just pushing the fact that they can have a quote-unquote new dad. Right. But they've never implied that they like him to an extent that would ever cause concern or waver the relationship between these guys. These boys love their dad, even though he's a dick. Yeah. So the older of the two boys, Ryder, he was playing for a triple A peewee team and he had been playing since he was about five. So he was like really committed. As we said, everyone said like hockey's his whole entire life. So when Corey and Tracy split, Corey moved to Edmonton and Edmonton is the far superior hockey city because Tracy is living in white court. So she's about an hour and a half away from all the major arenas or where he would get the interaction of playing with other high profile kids in the area um, who were at that like triple A or, you know. He's in the big city with the the more resources. Yeah. And she's in like a smaller town. So although it's. It's hard for Tracy to navigate and she doesn't necessarily want to let it happen. Ryder asks if he can go live in Edmonton with his dad to be able to play hockey. Right. Um, And, of course, if Ryder's going, Raddick's like, I gotta go, too. Right. Duh. Because, like, it's taking him from an hour and a half away to, like, 15 minutes from the rink. Okay. And he is a hockey dad, so 
Tracy thinks, like, you know, the boys really have a voice in our house. They speak up for themselves. If anything goes wrong there, I do trust that, like, Ryder would immediately reach out and, or, like, Radic would need to tell me because he's such an emotional child and we're so close that she just thinks they're at ages where it'll be safe. Sure. Fall of 2016, she decided again that they could stay with Corey for the season. Yeah. So they head up there and they sign up for school, hockey, everything. The plan is that Tracy and Brent are actually going to move to the area, probably to Spruce Grove, so about 30 minutes away. So she kind of thinks like, okay, I'm going to tell him he can have them for the school year, but in the background, we're going to be setting up our move and I'll get my boys back like way sooner, but this will get them where they need to be for hockey. Mm -hmm. So she really is doing the right thing for her boys. Yeah, absolutely. And she's trying to move closer. And Spruce Grove yeah. is not far from Edmonton at all. So No, and she's like, when Brent and her are within 30 minutes of the arena, they can get them to and from hockey and not need to depend on Corey. Mm-hmm. And then be able to have like a really structured custody agreement, know exactly what's going on. And at this time, it is important because it does come out a bit as controversy. Um Tracy never gave up custody of the boys. She just let the boys stay with him for this school year. Sure. Yeah. For reasons X, Y, and Z. She is always the primary custody. Yeah, she's doing what she thinks is best for her kids and specifically her one son who is, you know, wants to be a big hockey player. She thinks she's putting him in the best position to grow as a hockey player and play at those higher levels with you know, kids who are probably going to be a little bit more competitive with him or play up to his level. I I get it. Yeah, you only get better by playing kids who are challenging you. And he wasn't being challenged where he lived. Look, so. I got sent across the country a... when I was That's like true. 14 for figure skating. Yeah. I mean, again, yeah. I asked to do that. It I is. lived with a billet family. I was there for the entire summer. Um my cousins always had billets in their home. Like it was, this is such a common thing. And here. being from, yeah, being from an island, lots of the kids who are, you know, like maybe they play a little bit higher or their family has the resources get sent to hockey camps and things like that off the island for, you know, an entire school year. Um, it's yeah. not uncommon. So the fact that not he had all. a parent living there makes total sense. Yeah. Um, the reason why I say that though, too, is because there seemed to be an article I found at the end that was Tracy defending because I think there was people implying that, and maybe this is just my take on it, but that Corey had had the kids their entire life Okay. and Tracy was coming into the picture now and that threw off this whole balance, but that's not the case. Okay. He had only had the boys at the time of this about four months. There's some misinformation, if you will. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I could see telling the story how it seems that way, or right. you could be confused about the previous 13 years of their life, but... She didn't Tracy just, like, show up one day and try yeah, to like, take custody. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. The boys would feel bad when they told their mom about the abuse that they experienced at their dad, specifically the severe name-calling, because the verbal abuse was really triggering to her. Um, and she could tell that Corey was verbally and mentally abusing the boys shortly after they moved in. Like, she could already see signs. And she did still see the boys on the weekend. They essentially switched custody custody roles. So she could tell that there was stuff going on. But the boys always said, nope, we want to go back. Don't talk to dad about it. Like, we're just, 
We're figuring it out. Mm-hmm. One thing that Corey did that really escalated the abuse, though, was that Ryder suffered with really bad psoriasis on his scalp. Okay. And when he was starting at his new school for the year, um, Corey forced him to get his head shaved so that it was showing off all his, like, scabbing and, um, like, flakiness. But why? And just, just to be an to ass? To embarrass him. That, yeah, that to make things more difficult. Fucked up. Yeah, he also said that he was not allowed to wear a hat of any kind. Like, he was forced to... Like, he was making him embarrassed. Um, I don't know if he saw that maybe Ryder was such a good kid that... Like, he was being so successful at his mom's that maybe he just was trying to hurt him. I, I don't know. That's fucked. Yeah. He also made Ryder wear a dress to hockey one day. Um... He was busted at school passing notes with another kid that were just, like, talking shit about teachers and other students, so he was suspended for a few days. Mm -hmm. This also meant he was suspended from hockey, and that pissed Corey off. Right. So when he went back to hockey, he had gone to Value Village and got a dress and made him wear it to hockey practice, and when the coach saw him and said, like, kid, you don't need to wear that, go ahead and take it off... He literally, like, because he knew his dad was in the arena, said, nope, I'm good. I'm just going to do this. Like. That's brutal. Just totally conformed to it. So I can only imagine the mental turmoil that's going on behind closed doors. Well, yeah, he's obviously scared of what his dad's going to do at home if he takes it off. Yeah. Yeah. So everything at their dad's house, like we said, was a secret. Even what they did tell their mom, it was, you can't tell anyone, you can't talk to dad about it, it's too scary. And even Tracy knew that if she went to talk to Corey about something, like, the repercussions would be taken out on the boys. Mm -hmm. So she was very selective about what she talked about. However, there were many times that she did have to go talk to Corey about stuff because it was just so out of the blue. Um... One thing that Tracy was, like, really, really upset about, too, is because, like, We've all had sports in our family. We know how tight-knit that sports community is. And she was, like, devastated that not one person reached out to her to tell her about the dress incident. Right. Like, not one other parent thought to be like, Tracy, what the hell is going on with Corey? Or what is going on with your kid? Or even if they were just making a joke about it or being shocked, like, not one person mentioned it. Right. So it was like people had wanted to protect Corey almost mm. or they were scared of Corey because I think Corey overall was kind of an intimidating guy even though looking at him he looks just like your average guy when people are kind of short-tempered like that or a bit of a loose cannon though people just walk on eggshells and a lot of the time people will just look the other way yeah right and, like, yeah. it's the bystander effect all over again. Maybe they all thought that somebody else had said something. Or think, oh, she must know. Yeah, or she must know that that's already going on. Like, you, a lot of the times people just, I don't, I don't, dissociate from that kind of stuff and just assume that the other parent knows or that somebody else has already told them, that the coach has told her, like, you know, I don't want to get involved. It's not my family. Yeah. 
I'm not saying it's right. I just, yeah, I just think that. No, but I agree. I think it's hard when it's family dynamics Mm -hmm. and you're thinking it's like someone punishing their kid. Like, who am I to judge or Mm -hmm. who knows what he did? Yeah. Like, there's just so many questions that come with it, but it does not make it right. No. Someone should have stuck up for these kids. Yeah, it's a good reminder for all of us if we see something to say something. If you see something wrong and you think it's wrong, don't assume that other people have already said something. Yes. In other ways that uh, Corey would really go out of his way to psychologically mess with his boys, when he would be speaking with Radic specifically, who was his son who was younger, who liked dance, who was creative. Mm. His mom said he used to come into the kitchen dancing around, singing, just being like a little goofball. His dad started to tell him that, you know, if you take dance when I come to pick you up, I'll only be able to pick up my one son. I, I don't have a daughter. Oh my God. So he started to make him believe that he was less than for partaking in an activity that in Corey's eyes was not stereotypically feminine. This is so much toxic masculinity. I can't even, like, fathom it. Right. I know. It's painfully disgusting to listen to. And I think that it's good to remember that this is not, I don't think this is as isolated as we think it is. You know what I mean? I think that a lot of males have struggled with this growing up with fathers who are, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like my dad wasn't like And I like think that. a lot of people are dad. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> our dad's age. My dad wasn't like that at all, and so it's, like, hard for me to wrap my head around it, but it's, I think it's way more common than than we would believe. Yeah. I, I don't disagree. I think that we all hear about it, and like you said, specifically in people, like, our dad's age to mm-hmm. people just maybe a few years older than us more so. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our generation is where we saw a little bit of a change in that, yeah. just in the volume. But I think in the a little bit older generation, yeah, there was, if you don't play sports, beat people up, you know, play baseball, like do all these things, sleep with a bunch of girls. Yeah. Well, it's like our... Talk a certain way, you're not a man. And I think no. our generation is starting to tell men like it's okay to cry it's okay to have feelings and that was like not okay before you're gonna be like see in a minute mm-hmm. when we get to a part later in this story based on that statement you just made about it being okay to cry yeah once tracy heard about the name calling the not wanting to let um Radic dance and all these other attributes that he's finding out about or she's finding out about and actions that he's doing she immediately wants her boys back so she starts working on a behind the scenes plan to not upset the balance so her boys know what's going on her husband Brent knows what's going on they're all working together but they're keeping Corey in the dark about everything because they know he's a bit of a loose cannon at the moment yeah She's now reached out to the hockey league, schools, and all programs in her white court area to get the boys back into them. And Radic is fully on board. He's like, Mom, I'm in when you tell me I'm good to go. Ryder is going to be a harder nut to crack, but she believes that 
he's really struggling and knows what's right and will come back. So she moves forward with the plan. During this time, though, she finally finds out that she's approved for a condo in Spruce Grove. So that's the apartment she was waiting for to get moved into. Um, So in December, she starts moving into this condo and setting it up. Tracy's also reached out to Child Protective Services at this point because she knows the conditions the boys are living under and she knows that she's not quite in a position to just take the boys back safely. Mm -hmm. And she really wanted, like, a third party to go in and remove the boys so that it was, like, she could lean on the fact that it was court-mandated that the boys lived with her. So it wasn't, like, her taking the boys because she knew that he would, like, want vengeance against her yeah, yeah if she took the boys good for her she's doing the right she's going through the right steps and channels and yeah yeah uh child protective services though closed their case on december 18th oh, nice. so she opened it beginning of december and they closed it on the 18th um saying that they didn't believe that there was reason for concern and that they believed that it could be dealt with uh, like between the parents oh good yeah which we've all heard before Um, yeah. So on the 16th, Tracy's moved into her new apartment. She's picks the boys up. She's going to have them from the 16th to the 19th. So like the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I guess it is. Okay. Or Thursday. Yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, she should have them. Okay. Um, and she remembers during that weekend friends saying that, or when she, sorry, Brent saying that, um, one thing that I guess Ryder liked to do was when they had friends over socializing, he would put like a bowl of money in the middle of the table and he asked his mom if he could just learn how to make one drink at the bar so he could pretend to be the bartender for their friends. And like he never wanted to drink. He just wanted to like get the tips from them and like interact. So I guess they taught him how to make this one drink. And so they're sitting on the couch and he's like, can I make you guys a drink? And they're like, no, sweetie, like we're good. We're not drinking this weekend. And he's like, where's the Stark spirit? <laughs> um, because like their last name's Stark. And they were like, like, how do you say no to a kid with like that personality? Yeah. Like they were just good kids. And like, that was one of their funny last memories here. Like, so December 19th, the Sunday, Tracy's all moved in. She's had a wonderful weekend with the boys they had to sleep over with friends, and then it was just, like, jam-packered with hockey, as usual. <laughs> so on Sunday, Ryder has a game, and they're at the rink in Millwood watching him play. So Raddick's running about. He actually gets to play on the ice for a bit with the team on warm-up. Um, and overall, it was a decent time, other than him being super upset that the concession was out of Hubba Bubba. <laughs> like, that was his... Big concern at the moment. After about half the game, the plan was that Tracy and Brent were going to leave because they were going to be going back to White Court. Um, and then Raddick would stay and watch the end of the game with Corey, who was also there. And then he would take both the boys home with him for the week. Raddick, though, at the goodbye when he was seeing Tracy and Brent off, seemed really uneasy and Tracy could tell at the moment it was because that, like, he had found out that Corey knew, actually, that they were planning a move. 
I guess earlier that day, Tracy and him had gotten into like a big text argument and it kind of like came out because going back and forth and debate about the boys, she kind of had to let it out. Right. But because they had kind of made this pact not to tell him for obvious reasons, Radic now seemed pretty nervous. Because he probably thought his dad was going to retaliate knowing that they knew and didn't tell him. Yeah. Right. Like, he's going to be horrible to us now this weekend because he's mad at mom. <sighs> yep. Talk about putting your kids in the middle. Agreed. Like, leave them out of it. And this is December 19th. They are going back to their dads for the week of Christmas. Yeah. So they're doing Christmas at their dads and then their mom's picking them up on the weekend and they're doing Christmas with their mom. And the plan was that Tracy was going to have everything in place so that they didn't actually have to go back to their dads from Christmas break. Right. Because they would be able to, like, pack up enough clothes and stuff to go back to their moms and, like, enough stuff that it wouldn't be too weird. Right. So now And they would knows. be able to do it kind of seamlessly, but now he knows, although he doesn't know when the move was, like, they were going to start staying with their mom, he knows that now it's happening. Mm -hmm. And he's... What we can assume is furious based on where Tracy said they got in a very, very heated exchange. Right. The boys were super close to their dad's side of the family. So not just their dad, but like their grandparents, their cousins, all that. And they were like really looking forward to spending Christmas with them. So they really wanted to go still and just like do Christmas with their dad. Mm -hmm. Now, Radic usually calls his mom on the way to school every day. He has a five minute walk. And on this five-minute walk, he will call his mom, check in with her, and immediately delete the call record from his phone so his dad doesn't know that he's communicating with his mom when he's there. Man, that's so sad. Like, so cute of him to want to call his mom every day, but that's sad that he feels he has to do that. Well, and hide it on, like, this... That's what I mean. What I... If I... And I think even the phone is something that, like is moderately a secret so i think he just has it so it's like in case of emergencies but he's not supposed to be using it so he just deletes the call records to his mom Brutal. like i got a phone when my parents got divorced at a very young age so that i could talk to my other parent openly mm -hmm. at my other parent's house yeah. that was the intent so it just makes me so sad for these boys tracy and brent are getting ready monday morning and brent Kind of casually says, like, hey, have you heard from Radic yet? Knowing that he calls every morning. It kind of sparks Tracy's eye to look at the clock and think it's a little bit later than usual. So she decides she's going to call him. There's no ring. Goes straight to voicemail. So she calls Ryder's phone. Ryder's phone does the same. But her honest, like, first instinct is that their dad's being a dick and took their phones away. Sure. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so he's like, Corey probably took them away. They have no phones. So what I'll do instead is I'll wait a little bit and then I'll just call the school and check in on them. Yeah. Because they both go to the same school. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. So for peace of mind, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, she calls the school. She asks about her kids. And the lady at the desk says both are marked absent for the day. And Tracy says that her stomach drops. Yeah. When I was listening to her retell the story, um, there's, like, a moment where she even says, like, the secretary says something like, are you the mom? 
And she goes, yeah, I am. And she hangs up the phone and it's like, I think even the secretary had a pit in her stomach when she asked that. Like, there's just something mm-hmm. so scary about that. Yeah. Like, not knowing that your kids are going to be absent that day. And, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't imagine not know. And I don't even have kids, but I couldn't imagine that feeling of just them being in a completely different house and not knowing if they have a sick day. Well, and knowing... And finding out from, like, no a nobody, a stranger to you, because yeah. they've just been new to that school. Well, and knowing that that house isn't safe. Tracy immediately says to Brent that we need to go to Corey's house and when they arrive. Oh, and it is important to note that Tracy had like this pit in her stomach when they had that goodbye that was weird. So she actually pushed for them to stay at their condo in Sherwood or in Spruce Grove, which is like 30 minutes away because she just like wanted to be close in case Raddick wanted to be picked up because he was just really upset kind of. Right. Um, and she said that he usually cries and hugs her hard when he leaves, like a lot of divorced kids do. But this was just different, and she wanted to be close. Right. So they zip over there. The cars are in the driveway. Nothing seems out of the ordinary, although Tracy's never been to this home. It's a newer home for Corey. So she sees that there's a light above the garage on. Um, and there's some lights on in the home. So she thinks that Corey probably just kept the boys home for the day. Maybe they're just having a hooky day. When she starts banging on the door and ringing the doorbell, she notices that Corey's dog isn't barking. So it's weird that there's no dog. There's no alert. She's looking in all the windows, not seeing anything. She's looking up and down as best she can. And some... She kind of looks, like, in and down to, like, a landing, it sounds like. So there's, like, stairs going down to another floor of the home. Mm -hmm. And that's where she can see Ryder's legs. Oh, no. So immediately her thought is, like, why is he sleeping in this location? Did he fall? Did he hurt himself? Like, she doesn't think it's something really bad. She really thinks he's sleeping there. Okay. As she looks closer and closer and she's like kind of making herself calm down and focus, she notices that he's actually in just a t-shirt in the fetal position and there's blood near him. Oh my God. Just then she looks over and she yells to her husband, I think Corey's killed my kids. Fuck. Immediately... Um, Brent runs over and tells her to, like, get back. And he's looking, and I think the landing was kind of hard to see because even she says it was, like, she really had to look for it. Brent doesn't see anything, so he's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. So she comes back over and points out where she's talking about. And he sees it, and he's like, get in the truck and call 911. Yeah, like, get back from this house. Like, now that he's confirming what she can finally see, he's like, you need to go. Mm Mm-hmm. And I will say Brent is a knight in shining armor through this process. He supports his wife in the best way I think he can, given the situation. So Brent is trying to kick in the door when a neighbor comes outside and says, why are you kicking in my best friend's door? (laughs) It is important to note Corey is not his best friend. His best friend owns the home. Oh, okay. And Corey's renting it from him. Okay. But he's like, what, like, what the hell? This is my best friend's house. What are you doing? And without even a beat, Brent turns and says, your best friend ki- killed my kids. Yeah. Fair. And so immediately the guy shuts up. 
Get in there, boy. Yeah. Cops arrive. They are everywhere. One officer goes in and immediately comes back out and says, I have three confirmed dead. Three. Yeah. Okay. Tracy never in her right mind could imagine that this was a murder-suicide. Uh-huh. She thought that she was going to go in there and kill Corey herself. Right. Yeah. I didn't She's see like, that one coming. I was going in there to murder that man because he just killed my boys. Mm-hmm. She's like, never did I expect to hear three, and I actually had to think about who the third could be. Right. Yeah. Like, you have to be like, what? Like, what? Holy shit. Oh. As Tracy's still sitting out at the curb with detectives, she can see into the house now because the door's wide open and she can see Ryder. She's literally screaming at people to cover her son, give him some dignity. He has no pants on. No, like, nothing. It's December. Wow. And she's sitting there watching her baby. Yeah. Not only be murdered, but now just, like, stripped of all dignity yeah like lying there exposed yeah she finds out that Corey has killed the boys and then shot himself immediately they question tracy as if she could be a suspect as well they wonder if she could have done this no one at the scene knows what to say to her so one person walking by even says so how you doing Excuse you. That. Uh, what? Not well. Brent decides that he needs to get Tracy out of there finally. Yeah. When she's calls from inside the police station asking where he is, he says he's in the parking lot and they're going back to White Court tonight. He needs to get her out of the area and she needs to just be able to calm down. Mm-hmm. Tracy provides Every detail about Corey's family, every contact, every family member in the area that could help or be important in this situation or might be able to provide any insight into Corey's state of mind the last few days. And after the drive back to White Court, it's around 4 p.m. and White Court RCMP come and knock on her door. Brent answers the door and advises that they now need to identify Corey's body In this process, they accidentally let it slip before they'll remove the boys' bodies from the scene. I see. Why the fuck do they have to identify Corey's body? Right. After she has just provided every detail for his brother, his cousins, his mother, his father. Yeah. No. What bothers her more in this, though, is she now knows that the boys are still sitting in the exact same spot they were. Right. Yeah. They found them at, like, 9 a.m., it's now 4 p.m. and her boys are still just They're lying still there. They're still just lying there. Yeah. 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 I'm more mad about them fucking asking her to identify Corey, but. Yep. So White Court RCMP shows a tattoo. And at first they wanted both Brent and her to identify it separately just for confirmation. And she is like, no, yeah. you get my babies out of there. I like, literally would have also. I would have said no. She too. looks at it. She goes, yep, that's it. Get my boys. Yeah. And it's like. That's atrocious. Good for her. Yeah. As they're leaving, though, just to make this even more just callous and heartless, they turn to her and go, oh, yeah, by the way, who's your kid's dentist? Oh, my God. Yeah. Because they want 
to identify dental them records. through dental records. That's disgusting. Yeah. Like, can we have a little bit of respect? Just a little. So now, yeah, not only is her last vision seeing Ryder on the landing, just laying there, curled up, but now she knows they're going to get his dental records because there is going to be severe damage to her boys. Mm-hmm. She never entered the home um, when it came to identifying the boys. She allowed it to be processed through dental records. She could not allow that to be her last view of her boys. She already knew how hard she was struggling seeing just Ryder's legs, yeah. knowing what, the, what was going on. Um, so she did not allow herself to struggle more in that situation. Good. She shouldn't have had to. Well, and she never imagined that on Christmas Eve she would be at a funeral home shopping for urns oh instead of at home with her boys. <sighs> yeah. She came to find out that her community had a meal plan set up with her until February so that she wouldn't have to cook at all because, again, hockey moms, they support hockey moms when needed, and her friends and family, and she just had the best support system. Um, the year before, Tracy and Brent had taken the boys to Cabo, and they had actually booked the same trip again this year for all of them. So they decided that they were going to try to go away and remember last year's vacation with the boys because they weren't celebrating Christmas. They weren't acknowledging it. Fair. But as soon as Brent took her away from her support system and her friends, she, like, started to crumble. So he just, like, brought her right back home. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Tracy said one of the hardest days that she ever had to go through, even harder than the day losing the boys, was when the first of Ryder's friends graduated. Mm Mm-hmm. And she knew that, like, her boys would never go on to be men and live these lives. She said that was, without a doubt, the hardest day. Right. Yeah, like... Was watching his graduation day pass and not having him to graduate or get a driver's license or... All those milestones. Any of those really pivotal high school moments she really struggled with. Brent took a lot of the brunt of her frustration and pain because, again, Corey had killed himself. He removed himself from the equation, and she had no one else to be angry at in this circumstance. And from a previous relationship, uh, Brent had actually seen a family counselor with his daughters uh, during his divorce to make sure that everything went as smoothly as possible and everyone was supported. So he recommended that he she reach out to Sandra, this therapist, and see her. Mm-hmm. And they ended up just, like, falling in love and writing her book together and really just, like, exploring all that. And she was, like, a complete game changer in their life. This Brent guy sounds like a gem. Oh, God. Even in the news clips I was watching, because... There's not a lot about this case out there other than Tracy's account of it, which is all that there needs to be, really. Um, But in the little news clips, when she gets very upset, he just steps up to the mic, thanks the community. He's there for her. He's, like, holding her. He just is... He just looks like an incredible human. Like, she needed him. And she even says, like, Corey's ultimate win in this situation would be if she destroyed my marriage, too. Right. And I am not losing Brent because he's the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. Like, since all this happened. And I need him because he's my best friend. He's my rock. He's my everything. Mm-hmm. And she's like, and I need him. 
She's like, and I'm not ashamed to say it. Like, I need him. Yeah. And she's like, so I'm not going to let Corey win. Because she kept telling Brent that Corey won by taking the boys. And he's like, no. Because you're advocating for them. Their voice carries on. We're solid. Like, you can't let him win. Yeah. Ugh, Brent. When news had initially broke, um, the community knew... and Or, sorry, and the community had known what had happened... Hockey officials, coaches, as well as the pastor and the chaplain all got together and had all the kids come to the arena so they could tell them with their parents um, and then be there to support them as well as grief and trauma counselors that were set up at the school immediately after. Their whole message from the coaches themselves was it's okay to not be okay and it's okay to cry. Mm -hmm. Like this is something that has broken our community and we can all be sad together. And there's nothing that says you're not a man. Nope. If you're sad and you're not okay. Um, And that was like their big reason for bringing all the boys together. Mm -hmm. Was to let them know that like they're not alone. And it's okay to be vulnerable. Yep. Moving forward, all teammates of the boys wore a 3 and an 8 on their helmet for the boys' numbers for the rest of the season. And all the teammates signed jerseys and gave them to Tracy in memory of the boys. Oh, that's so cute. And I don't have a whole lot more to this. I'm about to wrap up. But an Arizona band called Promise to Myself took the the sticker I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, which looked almost like a black coat of arms with an R and R on it. And it was all over Alberta cars for so long, probably still to this day. But they actually asked for the stickers to be printed and they could take them on tour with them and give them out with their stickers. So they went around the world and actually made the hashtag hashtag R&R see the world. So whenever you saw the sticker, you could post it. And it was so that both the boys could travel the world and see everything still because Tracy wanted to give them the world. That's so, so cute. Like so sad, but so cute. I think you can, if you can make something positive out of something so horrible, like, it's so adorable. And she wants and to keep their memory alive. Sentimental and, and yeah. yeah. It reminds me of the um, the dinosaur for Ryan Stuka. Yeah. Like, they, you know, he, they've been found in, like, all over the world. And there's a hashtag and it's a super cute. Yeah. I love it. Keep that awareness going, yeah. too. Like. This story is important, and Tracy says even if she saves one kid's life from an abusive home with a story like this, her book was worth it. Yeah, absolutely. The R&R Memorial Foundation was created by Tracy. Uh, It was to help white court kids who can't afford to play in um, camps to become better players, to get free camps and free, like, exercise courses to work. Um, Like, riders, young friends at the time are now like in their early 20s and have graduated so a lot of them actually work back with the foundation coaching kids such as nick melnichuk he's actually the camp coach and he specifically worked with tracy to create a camp for goalies because the community had created an awareness that a lot of kids weren't able to get one-on-one time to practice being a goalie Mm -hmm. it's like everybody else got focused on and the goalie was just at practice So they created week-long goalie camps to help kids who were passionate about being goalies become better goalies. So nice. Yeah. Like, what a way to give back and, like, honor your kids, you know? 
Oh, yeah. The way that she's, like, represented them now mm-hmm. moving forward, it, like, they would be so proud. Yeah. But, yeah, that's essentially everything I have. To this day, Brent and Tracy are a solid unit. Mm-hmm. They stand for the boys, creating awareness about domestic abuse, abuse within couples and the risks and the fears and... You know, letting people know where there maybe is some leeway and it's better and safer to hold your kids back against your custody agreement. Because she says, you know, if I had, I would have my kids here today. But she can't think that way. Mm -hmm. Even the CPS file was closed. Yeah. Saying that they should be able to amicably work through this. Yeah. But, unfortunately, Corey did not have the tools in his toolbox to work through this in a way that was healthy and supportive of both families and selfishly took all three of their lives. Yeah. That's brutal. That's horrendous. That was a devastating story. Yeah. But you did you did great telling Thanks, Michaela. it. So no, I mean, it's an important story. Family violence isn't something that's just gone away. You know what I mean? There's, you know, we have more awareness about it and we have, uh, you know, we talk more about mental health nowadays than maybe we did in the in the 2000s and before that. Um, but that doesn't mean that fi- family violence is gone. So it's an important conversation to keep going as much as it might be like uncomfortable to talk about or sad to talk about. Um, you know, it's important to keep the conversation going and. I'm glad that she's able to continue to honor her kids and um, and advocate for that because she's right. She could save one kid's life and that's worth it. A hundred percent. And I think their friends being at such an age that they had to learn all the details of the story as they became young adults mm-hmm. is also educating this generation on seeing signs of it and also finding a balance on where you're keeping a secret and protecting someone's just like name Mm -hmm. or if you're putting someone in danger is very difficult. And I don't think that this could have been handled any differently. Yeah. But yeah, that was devastating. And these boys were smart and funny and adorable Mm -hmm. and just kind and patient and artsy and, just seemed like great kids and Tracy seems like the best mom Mm -hmm. and they had a great stepdad so I'm glad they had good examples in their life Mm -hmm. and I I, it's not that their dad didn't love them I don't think he knew how to love them properly yeah I think that there was some mental health stuff probably going on there and um, you know had he been more open and vulnerable to things like therapy and you know, uh, less of that toxic masculinity, perhaps um, mm-hmm. the boys would still be here today. And he would, not that I really care uh, if he's here or not, to be completely honest. But um, I don't, but the boys did for a lot of years sure. speak yeah. really highly of him. Like, I think for a lot of years he was a really good dad. Yeah. And I'm glad the boys got that part of him. Like, he wasn't horrible always. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. But yeah, I just feel horrible for Tracy and the boys and their family. Mm-hmm. Well, 
on that note case yeah what a bummer ending (laughs) to a case however uh we'll be back next week same time same place uh if you don't already make sure you follow us on instagram or facebook uh follow us wherever you're listening on spotify and apple leave a five-star rating and review if you feel so inclined and uh, we'll see you next week yeah see you then yes Bye. bye i'll call you soon okay okay Bye. 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 How do I stop this shit? I'll stop it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fuck me.